0: The world stands at the brink of catastrophe. The year is 1926, and the elder of unfathomable power threatens to awaken from its long slumber, bringing death and madness in its wake. Strange cults and unspeakable monsters wreck havoc in every continent as the fabric of reality tears itself apart, opening gates to bizarre other worlds. A few brave investigators understand what is truly happening. These tenacious souls come from every walk of life to pit their skills and weapons against the threat of the Ancient One. It falls to them to explore the most remote corners of the globe to fight the marish creatures that lurk in the shadows and to find answers of the ancient mysteries of this eldritch horror. Welcome to Tabletop Arcade. This is Justin, and I bring to you a complete review of Eldritch Horror from Fantasy Flight Games. This was designed by Corey Konecka and Nikki Vellens. This is a 1-8 to eight player game. Plays in 2-4 to four hours. MSRP is $59.95. Now that's the core game. There's also eight expansions for this one. Four small box expansions at $24.95, and four large box expansions at $49.95. We're gonna be talking about all of them a little bit, but let's first dive into our first impressions of Eldritch Horror. We'll pop back in the Wayback Machine, back to about 2013, when Eldritch Horror was kinda shown off at Arkham Knights. And it was Oh, we're making another Arkham horror game. This time it's on a grand global scale. Instead of playing in the sleepy town of Arkham, Massachusetts, and that is just one location of among many you can visit in Elder Tour as you globetrot, fly, take a train, take a bus take a path through the jungle, or maybe just take an ocean liner across one of the seas to transport your way across the weird happenings that are all over the world, because an ancient one's coming up for you. Now, all of that's actually taking it on a bigger, global scale. So, first impressions, like, alright, this is bigger, badder Arkham Horror. And what it really did, first impression-wise, is it cleaned up a lot of the fiddly mechanics that Arkham Horror 2nd Edition had. And it's not really a 3rd Edition, because that comes later in the timeline here, but it actually acts as as a stepping stone, kind of like a 2.5 edition, but with a different focus, because instead of working on the individual happenings of the town, we're happening on a global scale. So the lens has been drawn back, and now we're dealing with a global threat of this ancient one, instead of it just wrecking some cultists in a nearby area. Now, a lot of the mechanics are very similar. You'll take your turns, you'll move around the board. Encounter your space, which will usually have some flavor text and some options and some skill checks, but a lot of the mechanics are a little bit more optional. When you're at a space, if there's a gate there and a clue there and happens to be Rome, you can have a choice of encounters opposed to being forced to a specific one, which gives you a little bit more control over what you get to do per the game, per the day. Other nice things that I will say, first impression-wise, is it looks clean. It looks beautiful, and a big giant poster board of this map is definitely something that is pretty cool to see on the table. Diving deeper into what does Elder Torch do well, I've already kind of hinted at some of it. But one of the things that it does well is it takes a lot of the mechanics and gameplay and gives you a little bit more choice, a little bit more freedom, and a bigger global focus on that. This is literally the end of the world. There is nothing coming back if you do not win against this Ancient One. Unlike Arkham Horror, one of the things Arkham Horror is you usually had like this pulp action-y standoff with the Ancient One and less all holds bar sort of thing. Elder kind of got rid of that. If the Ancient One actually wakes up, the game becomes incredibly hard to beat. It's already a tough game. But if you let that Doom Track hit zero and the Ancient One wakes up, you have to not only finish your mysteries that you're supposed to do to start to win the game, but then you have to defeat them in like a final showdown mystery. And that is, I honestly, in all my years of playing Elder i have never once been able to pull that off. Usually when that happens it's usually game over. In a lot of good senses, you have a lot of familiar faces and characters that show up from the other Arkham Files games in here. It's a very familiar cast of characters, and you have little variances of their abilities that make more sense for each game. The character cards themselves, they have different skills, and you can actually improve those skills and get bonuses to them, opposed to the sliding skill where you have to hurt your speed in order to increase your sneak. You have to drop your will to increase your fight that Arkham 2nd Edition kind of had you do. So this is a little bit more flatlined in that sense, and is a good plus now one other thing that it does do is we have a lot of different conditions and things of that nature that you can encounter and get and when you start adding all the expansions there's a lot of different variations of that there's a downside to that too we'll get to that when we get to the opportunities but looking at the other pluses there's eight expansions for this game that's a lot some of them are small box expansions that added a couple ancient ones a couple investigators and really just kind of adds a small snippet for example, Strange Remnants, for example, adds Mystic Ruins, which is a secondary adventure type. So the core game has a standard adventure type, Mystic Ruins adds another one of those. More importantly, one of the things that they did start adding after the core game is the focus action, and this is a fantastic little thing. You get two actions per turn, but there's a lot of circumstances you may not have something to do on that second action, because you cannot do the same action twice in this game. So they gave the focus action as an ability to take a focus token, which gives you a free reroll. Prior to that, you only could re-roll will die by spending a very valuable clue token And I almost saw that never happening unless you had a somehow surplus of clues, which was, again, uncommon to happen. The other small box expansions, like Cities of Ruin, added some ancient ones, but then they also added the ability to have rubble and devastation markers come out and give you a little bit of a small flare without expanding too much on the board itself. Signs of Carcosa didn't add too much to it. Just, again, some more investigators, another ancient one, some more general encounters for the board. Forsaken lore, very much similar thing. We kind of added and enhanced some things that were in there. One of the things that Forsaken lore kind of tricked in there was Lost in Time and Space, which is, of course, a very fun Arkham E encounter scent that you can have. So there's a lot of. Fun stuff that each mini expansion adds, and then the main expansions or the big box expansions. I really count that there are three main box expansions, and there's the final expansion. So you have At the Mounds of Madness, Under the Pyramids, and the Dreamlands, and all three of them add a sideboard expanding either expeditions into Antarctica, expanding Africa itself, and kind of the Egypt area, or the Dreamlands, which adds a whole other world, the Dreamlands that you can run around and explore in. One thing to note on those, which is I'm going to. Put it on my opportunity pile but good to know and call out early is all three of those sideboards can either come in with a prelude card which is either chosen or randomly generated and there's only one of them that spawns each of the sideboards or specific ancient one in play will also generate so you don't ever really see the sideboards in play all that often unless you choose that to be so The final expansion that came out was Masks of Narthohotep. This was a super exciting expansion when it was announced for me because it definitely included a lot of things that I was looking for, like, hey, how do I make a campaign out of Eldritch Horror? And then they added one of my favorite options that Arkham Horror 2nd Edition had, and it was personal stories. And personal stories were, like, little personal missions that each investigator had and if you made the pass effect you would get a special bonus for your character and if you had a fail effect you would get a little penalty on yourself and the rewards and penalties are very balanced if it's something easy to get the reward isn't too powerful if it's tough to get it will be definitely more significant and likewise if it's a penalty that you can easily fall yourself into because the doom track hits an X point before you complete the mission the penalty isn't so devastating that you cannot continue to play one other fantastic thing that they added in this game is when your investigator is wounded or goes insane they actually have a story effect that other investigators can encounter your deceased or lost investigator get a little of a story flavor what happened to them and then pick up their stuff has a little rpg element to it and the global story is really the big focus on this one so we're looking not necessarily at the individual story of bob jenkins salesman or charlie Kane, the politician we're looking at what is happening in the world what is this ancient one doing and what sort of weird crazy kooky portals are opening up that you're encountering I do have a personal favorite encounter card in this game. I have one in a second edition as well. But in Eldritch Horror, I will have to say it is an other world encounter that you go into the past and you're carefully listening in and you find a younger version of yourself. And if you're careful, you can warn yourself of the dangers of the future and gain some bonuses. But if you're not careful, your dad kicks in the door with a shotgun and bad stuff happens to you love it for that. I don't know why, it's just a fun thematical thing of you are the monster in your closet, it is kind of where I always take that one from. Now, all that being said, that's a lot of good stuff. Uh, it does play up to eight players. Like most of the other Arkham File games, the more players you have, the longer the game goes. You do want to make sure this one runs at even players, because every even player count, the amount of bad stuff that happens on the game's turns, clue spawn, monster spawn, gates opening will increase every other player so if i'm playing so will to play two characters or four characters if i'm feeling a bit frisky or if we are playing let's say i have three people playing a game i will then ask hey can we play a fourth npc character and kind of choose as a group what that character does because there's no real penalty for adding a extra character when you're already at odd count Elder Tor has this grand scope of things, and while that is a very big plus in my category, and I love it for that, it has this big, long, epic feeling of the game as you go through and you battle very hard, I will shift right into my opportunities on this game because you can be playing for two hours to solve one of your two or three mysteries needed on an ancient one, and a card can flip and reset that mystery on you. And essentially, those two hours feel like they were completely lost. So when this game kicks you when you're down, it really kicks you when you're down, and there's very little you can do to stop it. One of the other opportunities is the investigator's personal stories gets a little lost unless you add that personal missions from the mask expansion, but I feel like that's just more of the shift of the focus of the game. I really enjoyed one of the things that Arkham Horror 2nd Edition had was the personal flavor of the investigators running through the town, where this one really feels like it is more of a team effort. You're taking the side seat because the global stage is the big thing. That's my personal take on it. A lot of people do love Eldritch Horror and don't not see that as a problem, but that's just something I personally find was a little disheartening that the characters fell a little bit to the side ground. That being said, if you don't have Arkham Horror 2nd Edition, the Arkham Horror LCG card game puts the investigators right back in the spotlight, as does Mansions of Madness to some degree so it's just not in Eldritch Horror but other Arkham games still have that flavor and that's where I feel there's nothing so wrong with it that we're totally missing out Likewise, in our Arkham Horror Final Hour review, the characters' stories and flavor are still present in Eldritch Horror enough that you do feel like you're playing these characters and not just a random deck of cards. It's there, it's just taking a big sideline. One of the other big things with Eldritch Horror is setup and teardown of this game is kind of daunting. You could do a lot of things to improve that, but when you have everything, there are a ton of Ancient Ones, and each Ancient One has two or three small decks that go along with it. Definitely make sure you organize those in the best way you can because you only use a fraction of those cards every time. Likewise, when you get more than just the core game, one good bonus is the encounter cards increase, which is one of the downsides of the core only experience is you run through the location encounters very quickly and you see the same ones pop up semi-regularly. When you start adding expansions, that problem goes away, but it creates a secondary problem. Your condition deck gets more and more unwieldy and the conditions are usually negative effects like you break your leg you're poisoned you may be cursed maybe you want to buy the police lots of different things can happen in there madnesses are also part of it and they all have little subtext and one of the things the game likes to do is it likes to give you a random madness condition well now you have to sift through this like five inch high mini card deck for your first random madness and it is not the easiest thing to do. What I would recommend anyone with the full experience do is you can subsort those condition decks down into about six miniature decks based on conditions because there are certain cards that will only look for madness or they will look for an injury and you can have those as separate options. I know that is on board game geek as far as which ones should be sorted into which piles and I highly recommend that you do that. It will save you a ton of time also if you have a lot of players divide those around the players and then when it comes to do that player's job is hey you're the madness player when someone needs a madness you dish it out to them some things i've discovered to help facilitate and keep everybody engaged on the table. The one big thing I need to call out is all the big box expansions are $50 expansions. They're not small stuff, but you're getting multiple investigators. You're getting a sideboard. You're getting a bunch of cards, and that's quite a bit. To give you an idea, you're getting eight investigators and two ancient ones per big box expansion, but you're only getting four investigators and one ancient one for the small box expansions. Twice the price, twice the investigators, twice the ancient ones. The exception to this rule is Masks of Natharlotep, who does give you Seven new investigators and two ancient ones plus a plethora of unique cards but you don't get that sideboard. Instead you get the pile of 55 personal mission cards for every of the investigators and it just feels like it's such a letdown compared to the other ones. I do recommend this being the last expansion you pick up out of everything. As far as order of operations I would definitely get a big box expansion probably first just to get your influx of different characters and different ancient ones and then probably switch to one of the small expansions. My personal favorite is Dreamlands for the big box and strange remnants for the small boxes so those are the two i would say target first and then kind of fill in as they catch your eyes one other thing that mask does do and i will put this in a small plus column is they did add resource tokens as another option to do something with because you can only have two focus tokens so you can also gather resources and those can help you heal a little bit faster and do a little bit more on your turn but ultimately the expansion felt underwhelming for the price point so there is a lot in elder tor to unpack at the 59.95 price point for just the core game i believe it is a fantastic deal because you do get a two to four hour game probably more four hours to possibly five or six is what i've potentially have seen when you get over four players and you need to teach the game or do other aspects to it if you prioritize your take takedown time You can cut some of that out. I have played Elritor games pretty quickly, but that's usually with four or less players and usually very experienced players at the same time. I can get under that two hour count barely, even with that sort of setup and that sort of group. It's definitely a longer haul game, a little bit chunkier. Make sure you prep yourself for that when you play Elder Tour. At the $59.95 price point, because you get good gameplay length, you get a lot of replayability of the ancient ones and different conditions that can pop up. You do still need a little bit more of one of the expansions to boost your encounter card. Piles a little bit more to kind of get a little bit more flavor on those. The game has creeped up in price over time. I still think it's pretty good deal at the 59.95 price point, but if you can get it under 50, dollars it is definitely worth it at that point. That all being said, I highly do recommend Eldritch Horror for most heavily thematic games that are out there. You get a grand global scale. You have a lot of characters to choose from. You have a lot of options to put into the game. A lot of ancient ones to battle. So a lot of games will have similar tones, but will definitely have different ups and downs, and aha moments, and oh no moments. And almost every Eldritch Horror game I've played is always kind of felt like a seat of in the pants sort of win where you're always about a turn or two away from losing and you always feel like you're just sneaking in that win i almost never have gotten in these almost 10 years of playing this game a feature that where hey maybe that was a little too easy so that has been the tabletop arcanum's review of eldritch horror from fantasy flight games if you like to find us on social media you can do so on facebook instagram and twitter we're also on youtube make sure you hit those like follow subscribe buttons so you get notified that we have new content available for you. Drop us a line, comment, or anything you like. Thank you for listening, and happy gaming. To Tabletop Arcanum, produced by Justin Taylor. This episode is hosted by Justin Taylor. Mixing and editing by Richard Geese. Original theme by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. Check the description for this episode's featured background music. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow, and leave us a review if you would. As always, thanks for listening.